thousands of years over countless cultures and miles and miles of earth all to our own access so that we can have it. And all of this was done for one absolute magisterial, uh, magisterial purpose so that we could have access to God Himself. And that is our prop. That is our main point for today. That we in the Scripture have access to God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we can know the One who has orchestrated all of creation. Who not only revealed Himself in the Word, but at times strategically placed every step it took to place a Bible in our language, in our hands, and in ways that we personally can understand. Who provided us with the means to read it with our own eyes or to hear it with our own ears. In a sense, so that we could experience it for ourselves firsthand. The One who has provided us in a way that is clear to be understood, using people like you and me to speak in terms that we can understand and relate to, that we can feel and have felt through means that our souls can relate, and also we can know and trust in the One who has been changing hearts and minds throughout all of history. We could see for ourselves that He is there and He is trustworthy. And so to the, at this moment, if, it is perfectly, if it's unclear, I want to make that clear. We have access to so much more than we think or realize. So much more. And, the, and our first point this morning is that God has provided the Scripture. We have, what we have access to is that we can know Him. We can know God. So many of us, the first issue with engaging and accepting the access that we have in the Word of God is to think that to have access to the Word of God is to have access with, to God Himself. That is, if you or I are reading our Bible for any other thing than to know God, it's insufficient. If you do not read your Bible to know God, to experience Him, to be swallowed up in Him, then we are, we are not going after the same thing the psalmist is describing in this passage. We can create a hundred good reasons to read our Bible. Many of them very good and very noble and, and support so many uh, beneficial things, but all of them must be led by a need first to be intimately and personally involved with God Himself. If you are chasing something else in the Bible, we can know that not only will we not find what we're looking for, but the Word of God will actually do something else. It will demonstrate the insufficiency of it. Thus, you will not only be disappointed, but we will be forced to reconcile that only God Himself can fill what it is we are looking for. And knowing who God is and what He is like will be what takes hold of our hearts when we actually sit down at the feet of Scripture. It will be His character and His attributes that carry us through all that comes in life. And we can see this, I believe, in this text this morning. The psalmist is very structured and very particular in the way that he writes this piece. And it's a, big, it's a part of a bigger piece. But he's not just reciting a very carefully uh, selected list of laundry items. Things that need to be taken care of. He's shaping us. And He's coming to the Lord and He's proclaiming things that He knows to be true of Him because He's learned who He is. 
So if you look at 17, you'll see that there, uh, all of these verses, 17 through 24, there are very clear uh, recognitions of the psalmist to see the Lord and know the Lord in His character that he takes hold of. First of all, verse 17, Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. The idea of, of referring to him, himself as a servant and telling him to deal bountifully with him, in, in other words, he is saying, Deal well with me. I trust it will be good, but please deal well with me, you, your servant. This is a radical proclamation, especially in our day and age, because the, the psalmist is approaching the Lord God and he is saying, you're the master. I'm not the master. You're the master and I am your servant. So please, do what you will. But I trust, knowing you and knowing who you are, that whatever you do, it will be good. Brothers and sisters, you cannot go to God and pray that way unless you know Him. Unless you know His character and you can say, whatever comes my way, I know it will be good. So please, Lord, do appropriately with me. I trust You, my Master, my Lord. Again, in verse 18, we see, uh, uh, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of Your law. And the psalmist recognized the all-powerfulness of, uh, of the Lord and he sees all that he can do. And this idea to reveal or have his eyes open to see wondrous deeds, he's having a flashback. It's one of those moments that we see in programs or movies where he's flashing back and he's thinking of very particular things. This term here, wondrous deeds, is reaching way back to the flannel graph that we're all familiar with from Sunday school or before. And he's seeing things like the people of Israel being rescued out of Egypt and with their backs to the Red Sea and the armies of the Pharaoh marching in. And as they watch, the seas are split open like a massive canyon. Those are wondrous deeds. For the psalmist... He desires to see and to know that the character of God, the, who He is, is somebody who is not overwhelmed or confronted by the things that we find to be difficult. But they are mighty exploits for Him to show His strength and might. Hang on to this, brothers and sisters. Verse 19, he says, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. He is reflecting on the fact that God is always everywhere. We say this is this funny word we use called omnipresence, right? But he knows this. He knows God is everywhere. So where would God be unfamiliar? There is no place in all of the earth or in all creation that God would not know where it is. And for the psalmist to be able to bolt himself to that, he knows no matter where I am, you are there and you are very familiar. There is no place in which you are overwhelmed where I am. And so I can be secure and I can know that where you are, you are Lord, even there, though I am a sojourner. Verse 20, we can see, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules all the time. And this fact right here, this, this, this verse, just I, I cannot stop chewing on this verse because it is getting at something. It's getting at something that we, as the people of God, when we engage with the Scripture and we meet Him, when we see who He is, it becomes all-consuming. That we can know Him 
and see and see and know that there is just no boundary for understanding who he is and the fact that he is all satisfying that everything that he does is good and pleasing and for our joy these are the things that the psalmist is compelled to say again in 21 you rebuke the insolent and accursed ones who wander from your commandments Knowing that, that the, as the psalmist is proclaiming here, that he is able to say, God, I know that you are always just and righteous. And that's something that we want, right? Many of us desire to see justice in many ways. But what comfort can we have when all we ever do is try to build little mud houses and castles of our own versions of justice other than to look to Him and to know that He will be the One who sets all things right. Not just in that day, but even now you can know that. And if you're in Christ, you do know that. Because it is in Christ that full justice has been received for the One who trusts in Him. In verse 22, we see that God is the remover of reproach and Brothers, sisters, friends, all of us need to know that God is the only one that will remove our reproach. Your shame, all the things that you count, that you hope nobody knows about, the things that nobody maybe knows about, that you understand that the only one who will ever wash that stain out of your life is the Lord Himself. You can hang on to that and you can know that when when you fail over and over and over again, it's not just a matter of society saying it's okay. It's not just a matter of, 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 your, of, your, of the people that you live around or you hang around being willing to turn a blind eye to it, but you know if it is, it is wrong that you can look to the Lord and know He is the one. He is the only one who will remove my reproach. And 23, if you... I read, again, this is, this is a big one because many of us, when we try to do the right thing, even in the wrong ways, we still find ourselves in the midst of criticism, as verse 23 seems to show. When those who are in position look at us and they speak of us, we can know that God is our comforter and He is the comforter of those who are ostracized. When many would speak evil against us, the Lord is the one who will be there and we can maintain and hold on to Him knowing that He sees things as they are. And finally, verse 24 reveals to us that God is the source of all wisdom. Perhaps you're reading this passage and you're wondering how these definitive statements can be found in these verses, these eight verses. You may wonder, how can I count on this when I read these words, but I don't, I don't see them explicitly there on the page. You can know it's there because the psalmist approaches the way that he approaches God. You can know it's there because the psalmist is working from a place of familiarity. He knows these things to be true about God. He has spent time in the Word and he has spent time with the Lord. And as a result, when he comes to the Lord, he is coming with a Word-informed, faith-built assumptions that he can count on. It's true, but this is how the Scripture works. Not many, uh, not many of us are, are just going to see these things listed out very simply for, for, for us, but this is, the, this is how it works. 
Many of us would just be told this or that, and then we would build our, our lives around it. That's not how we do these things, right? Does somebody just tell you something's true and then you just reorient your life around it? Not typically. Many of us, most of us, would aim to see it and feel it for ourselves first. To experience it. This is when we find ourselves wanting to invest our lives in it. And the psalmist is no different. He takes these things, and and these verses, and and he understands all of these things are not just simply in a vacuum, vacuum by writing them down. But they are built on the realities and the truth of knowing who God is and seeing Him in the Word. He has seen how God speaks and calls all things into existence. How He holds the life of men in His hands. He has seen how God alone can break through the hearts of men so they can understand His ways. He has seen how God has guided His people caring for them in the wilderness and a land not their own. And He has observed in the Scriptures how those who oppose His law are not unnoticed, but they are rightly dealt with. And He he has watched as those who fail repeatedly are forgiven over and over and over and over and over again and reconciled. He has seen the comfort of the Lord deliver His people when all the odds are stacked against them. This is throughout all of the text and it is throughout the lives of of the Lord's people. All of these and many more are not necessarily called out in our passage, but they are the bricks in which it is built on. You cannot cry these things out without knowing these details. So it's true. It's not always clear-cut. There's not always an indexing. It's not so neat that you could just go to the back and find out where it is and be good to go. It is like living life when you read the words, you meet the Lord through all of history. And you see these things. You see these things. And it shapes how we know Him. It shapes how we know Him. And this is what happens. The psalmist is caught up because of the Scripture and the cyclone of what it is to, to know God personally. And, he, and as he comes in contact with who God is and who He has revealed Himself to be in the Word, he is able to install posts in his life. Posts in his heart. Places that were when the winds, when the winds of life rip and roar, he can tie himself off to and know I will not be carried away. He fixes himself to the attributes of the triune God and knowing who he is reminds him of everything that is available to him as a result. All of which he knows even more is actually convinced that it is accessible in and because of God's provided Word. So again and again he goes back and as his affection and amazement grow, he is drawn even more to the well to seek the Lord again and again. And in this, our next point is for us to understand that we can know, not only know God, but we can know our help in the way that He helps us. The psalmist shows us all the ways that God helps him through the Word. In verses 17-18, through if if you look at it again, you see he is directed in the way of righteousness. He receives direction. And 19 through 20, he's provided all, he sees that he has all that he needs in his moment of, of need. Uh, in 21 through 22, he is given a measure to understand in his own life and those around him what is right and what is wrong. In 23 through 24, he is comforted in affliction and uncertainty. 
Put in other terms, the requests of the psalmist, again, are not unfounded. They are faith-filled certainties informed by who God is. And one of the greatest ways that we are helped in knowing God is there, or I'm sorry, that we are helped in knowing there is always more of God to be had. What I mean is, is that we are helped tremendously by knowing that we always have the ability to go back to the Scripture and read again and again and again and again and again and again, knowing there is much more to be had. You will not get tired of the flavor, folks. It, it, it's as though uh, it's as though you. I'm sorry, I'm a big guy. I like to eat. It's. I know it's probably not a good thing. Certainly not for my health. But I think about uh, you know when I was much younger and it didn't impact me as much. You know, I'd be playing sports and I walk into a, a hometown buffet, and you're like, man, that roast beef. Uh, and you walk in there and there's so much, way more than you can eat. And it's almost like you have this mindset of, I get to eat as much as I want. But you can't. No matter how hard you try. And I think th- th- there's this odd compulsion in a young 17-year-old guy's uh, person to think, yes I can. I'm going to try it. <laughs> and likewise, we are helped in the Scripture by knowing That in the moment when we consume the Word, when we're there, we are helped to know that there is always more there waiting for us. There was always, always more. Brothers and sisters, friends, many of us here are well-read, well-educated, and and even more, I, I know this, knowing your pastors, you've been blessed with excellent teaching. I wonder though if we do not then assume we have been receiving all that there is in our Bibles. Just, just from them. As if our maturity has outgrown what sits on the pages that we are willing to teach to our children or our grandchildren, right? Or put on the flannel graph, right? Like we've outgrown that. Like we don't watch cartoons anymore, so we're not going to talk about Jonah or Abraham or any of those kinds of things, right? The psalmist here is not that way. He models for us an understanding that is launched because of what is known about God and what is available and that the fact that it cannot all be consumed by us. It's it's not going to happen. But we should go back always again and again and again. And this is a massive help for us to know that we have access to so much more than we have already taken hold of. We too have access to light and true joy and knowing God and meeting Him in His Word. And so, how to think about this? I want to create just three or give three simple ways to approach the word that you could take and put in your pocket and go home. Uh, and, and as you think about this and putting this in your life, putting it in your shoes and walking with it on Monday, Tuesday, all the way till you're back here again. So these are some th- three simple ways for you to come to the Bible to see these things. First is read your Bible with expectation. Simply coming to the Word, knowing and understanding what it is, that it is His provision to us to know who He is and what He has done for us. Just having that expectation of knowing that is going to cause you to go to it over and over again, and you're just wondering, what are you going to do today, Lord? 
What are you going to show me about you today? And, and to know and to understand that, especially in my experience, and I pray for you as well, I know this would be true, that it is almost always hitting the nail on the head. He is a good hit. Like he doesn't, have you ever tried like little kids trying to hit nails, the, the control? I mean, he nails that sucker every time when you read the scripture. And he hits right where you need it, right where I need it. So go to the Bible and read it with expectation. Number two, read the Bible to be humbled. We need to read the Bible to be humbled. When we speak of knowing him, we shouldn't think that we're talking about some kind of academic ascent. It is nice to know details and to have history and all of these things in it. But what the scripture actually is going to show us, if you take anything in this, please take this. What the scripture is going to show us is that true knowledge has more to do with intimacy than it does with memorization. Memorization is excellent. It will bolt down truth in your heart. But the Scripture is made to build intimacy. And so we need to see Him in all His ways as better than what we want. It shows us how we're wrong and we've turned one way or the other in the wrong direction and He will straighten us out and show us what is right. And He will draw us in mercy. So approach the Bible to be humbled. And third, we need to read the Word. And I hope this makes sense. We need to read the Word and interpret all of life by it. Read the Word and interpret all of life by it. When we read the Word and we come into contact with God, we see all the ways that our life is measured by His Word. From how we think to how we talk, the choices we make, the freedoms we walk in, all of these are informed and measured by the Word. So to find delight in the Word, to know that we have access to God is to see that it applies to everything. There is no room in your life that it does not penetrate. Do you understand this? Because I know I don't. I, there are many places in my life that I forget need to be exposed and shined on by the Lord through His Word. And it will reach everywhere. It will clean every stain. There is not a thing it will not impact. So read the Word and interpret the life around you by it. So those three, those three things, those three very practical things, I, I hope, are meant to help us to how to approach the Word. But there is one point that I last. So usually we put the application at the end. Usually. But I'm a little different, I suppose. There is one more point for us to consider. When we think about what we have access to in the Scripture, what we have access to in the Word of God is that we have access to know Him and not just about Him. We, by the Scripture, have no, we, ha we can know Him and not just about Him. Whenever, whenever you think about the entirety of Scripture and what it's aiming to do, I can tell you this, you will see from the front to the back, it is all leading to this one particular individual. The Lord Himself. And we read the Scripture and we see what He is like. We see His character as we talked about. We see all the things that He has done. But there is something about the page that is powerful, but it does not quite connect like that of Jesus Christ. 
The true Word, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, who perfectly demonstrates who God is, who perfectly demonstrates what He is like, who perfectly does the things that He does. When we read the Scripture, especially in John 14, I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus is talking to His disciples and they say, show us the Father. And He was like, what are you talking about? Have you not met Me? If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Don't you know that He dwells in Me? We dwell in each other. We're one in the same. And this is, what, this is what He's saying. Not one in the same. They are separate persons, to be clear. Thank you, theologians out here. I'll take your emails later. But to see the Son is to see the Father. is to see the Spirit. The culmination, the pinnacle of all of God's Word is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. The perfect image. The perfect Son. The perfect King. The perfect Redeemer. The One who perfectly demonstrates with boots on the ground, going through the same things that we go through, feeling the same things that we feel, rejecting the temptations that come into our lives. All of those things, He demonstrates and He does it with grace and power and the character of the triune God perfectly. And if that wasn't enough, if it wasn't enough for us to see perfectly in Jesus Christ the Son what God is like and who He is, He shows us more. He shows us that everlasting, never going to fail love. That hot pursuit of God for His people. And that He takes on flesh so that we can be with Him. So that we will not just be a people who look like the nosebleeds down onto the court, but we could be people running amongst the players as God is doing all that He is in life. Because Jesus has purchased us by His blood. He purchased us and He brought us and He has brought us into Himself and we know God personally. Not just about Him. Brothers and sisters, unlike my mother's journal, there, there's no mystery on what was in mind when the Scripture was being written. The Scripture is given to all of us so that we can know Him. and So that we can know the Son. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you, uh, you know all of our hearts. You know exactly what's going on in each chair this morning. And I pray, Lord, that we, as a people, we pray confidently, trusting that You know exactly each one in here and whoever is listening. And we trust, Lord, that You, please, in Your power, in Your might, in Your all-knowingness, Lord, that You would address our hearts the way that we need. I pray for those that have a promise in the Scripture that they need to uh, bolt themselves to, that they need to tie off to so that they can weather the temptation they're going through, that they would, Lord, that You would show them that. I pray, Lord, if there is sin in lives, Lord, that, that needs to be repented of, Lord, I pray, that Holy Spirit, that You would show them that in the Word. Lord, if many of us are standing idle and in fear, wanting to, uh, tempted to trust You, Lord, to see You make mighty exploits of our lives, I pray, Lord, that You would push us right on over the edge through Your Word. 
Thank You, Lord. Thank You that it is much more than a book to be read, but Jesus, You came and died so that we can know it and live in it and, and swim in the pages knowing You even more. And I pray You would do that in these people and in my life. In Jesus' name, Amen.